Thanks to Cabbage for supporting Industry Focus. Get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com to get started. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, October 18th. We're talking about a stock that we've never mentioned on the show before, but it's undergoing the software-as-a-service transition, and we love doing that discussion. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Brian Feroldi. Brian, what's up, man? Hey, Dylan, congratulations to your Jets for securing their first win this this past weekend. (laughs) You know, it's been a really rough fall. It was nice to get that first W in the books. It's crazy the difference actually having your starting quarterback on the field makes for a team. Yeah, that's t- that's super tough to uh, to play a season without one. But hey, they got the job done, right? You must have been pumped. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see a win. And of course, you know, business as usual for you and your Patriots. Although I did see a stat, Brian. It's the quarterbacks with the highest winning percentage right now. Tom Brady, number two. You know who number one is? Would that be Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. That's all right. Former Patriot. Former Patriot, yeah. So he's he's part of the Belichick system. Uh, you know, he's that's he, correct. <laughs> Um, all right, so I queued up today that we were going to be talking about a stock that we haven't discussed on the show before. I love that you always bring these stock ideas to the show. We're going to be talking about Manhattan Associates, a name that probably a lot of people don't know. Yeah, this is a stock that uh, I have personally owned for um, several years now when it was recommended by uh, one of our services. And this stock has just been a monster winner for, for investors. Uh, shares are up uh, 1,590% over the last decade. So if you are a fan of the winners tend to keep on winning uh, philosophy, which I certainly am, uh, this is definitely a stock to get to know. And as you teased at the top of the show, uh, one reason that this is a great stock to talk about now is that they are in the middle of uh, converting to a software as a, sis, uh, um, software as a service uh, transition with their business model. And we know that that is a formula that works very well. So it's a great time for listeners to get to know this stock. Yeah, I think this is a company that not only offers the proven track record of a successful business uh, with a software offering that people seem to really love, but they're about to put that into overdrive. They're going to really kick it into the next gear because they are making this transition from licensing their software to the SaaS model. We're going to touch on all that later. First, though, let's lay the groundwork. What exactly do they do? So these guys are a uh, software and uh, consulting business that uh, specializes in uh, supply chain management. So if you are a company that has to deal with uh, inventory, uh, warehousing, uh, transportation, shipping, uh, Manhattan is kind of the premier name in helping to optimize a, su- a supply chain to, uh, to increase throughput, uh, reduce errors, uh, speed up order times, those kinds of things. So these guys, uh, they, they sell primarily to retailers, but they also have wholesaler customers uh, and as well as manufacturing uh, businesses and logistics providers. And they are, um, they've really come in vogue recently because they help uh, retailers provide an omni-channel shopping experience to their customers, which we know is just a, a mega trend that's happening in retail. And for those that uh, aren't familiar with that term, omni-channel is just a fancy way of saying they provide a unified 
customer shopping experience, um, no matter whether they interact with the company uh, at a brick and mortar store, uh, on the mobile site, through social media, uh, on an e-commerce channel, through their website, basically anywhere that a customer would interact with a brand, uh, that would be omni-channel. Yeah, the value prop here that Manhattan Associates is offering, it touches on a lot of different things that are super important in retail right now, with the e-commerce landscape really putting a lot of pressure on margins for retailers. You think about omni-channel and being available everywhere, that's huge. But also, all of these things we're talking about in terms of supply chain, logistics, these are the types of things that add to costs if they're run inefficiently. You know, and we we talk a little bit about inventory there too. You know, having too much inventory on the books obviously creates a lot of problems for businesses. So this is something that is trying to make all of these kind of older retailers run a little bit more efficiently, a little bit smarter, uh, and be a little bit more competitive in the modern e-commerce landscape. Yeah, and retailers uh, these days have tremendous pressure on them uh, to really uh, make investments into their uh, e-commerce capabilities. Uh, And one way that they are differentiating themselves from um, companies like Amazon.com is to order things like uh, buy online and picking up in stores or shipping directly from their retail stores to consumers' house from either a retail store or their warehouses. Those are all kind of things that uh, Manhattan Associates excels at and really is the leader uh, in. So, they have a big trend that's behind them. If you look over at their customers, some pretty big stamps of approval. They have Home Depot, Under Armour, Safeway, which is a huge supermarket over here in the DC area, Target, just to name a few, but the list goes on. It's clear they're offering something that people find valuable. Yeah, and these guys are the identified leader by um, consulting firms such as Gartner. So if you are a brand that wants to get into the space and you need help, uh, Manhattan Associates is is the premier name to go to. All right, let's talk a little bit about the transition with SaaS here. This is something that often creates a lot of problems, kind of creates some messy financials and some difficult comps for companies. Yeah, so uh, Manhattan Associates uh, has basically five uh, sources of revenue. Uh, Number one would be their software as a service offering, which is only about 4% of revenue uh, right now. But uh, as we know from SaaS uh, companies, uh, SaaS offerings, they are very high margin. And this is a major focus of the business right now. So this is the fastest growing segment uh, for Manhattan Associates, 140% revenue growth uh, last year. Uh, Number two would be their uh, legacy licensing software. Software business. So this is when companies purchased a license uh, up front uh, from the company and just ran their supply chain uh, from it. This is uh, this has fallen to 8% of revenue. This number is declining uh, as the SaaS uh, conversion takes place, and we should expect that to continue to happen. Uh, third would be customer support services. So this would be uh, maintenance revenue for, for, for that software. Uh, this is a, a, de- a decent chunk of the business, 20, 26% uh, right now. It's actually still growing at a moderate pace, but as SaaS becomes more and more, the SaaS number should also overwhelm this target too. So those three, those three sectors are just going to be overwhelmed by uh, SaaS revenue growth in the next couple of years. Um, and this company's biggest source of revenue, surprisingly, is actually professional services. So those are where companies pay Manhattan Associates uh, consulting fees to help with uh, implement implementation of the software, uh, 
planning, uh, training of the cu customers, uh, converting and transferring their old data, uh, education, system upgrades. This, this, this comprises 60% of total revenue. So it's not out of line to call this a hybrid software and consulting business. Uh, and, then, and then finally, the last little bit is just hardware sales, where they sell um, third-party hardware that works with their software natively. So like RFID readers, uh, scanners, barcodes readers, they are really just a middleman for getting this stuff to customers in a convenient way. But combine all that together, and that's how this company makes its money. You really get a sense of that hybrid model you were talking about when you look over at the gross margins for this business. Uh, right now, somewhere in the mid-50% range, you know, you typically expect a software company to be 70% and higher, maybe even into the 80% range. So, the consulting business does bring margins down a little bit lower than you'd expect them to be for a software business. Yeah, and and as you mentioned, that's the consolidated number. And this company doesn't break out specifically margin by um, by by those revenue opportunities. Um, but I think it's fair to say that the professional services revenue, which again is the bulk, probably has a forty percent, fifty percent margin, something along those lines. But it's really the SaaS and the licensing uh, software and the support software that has the very high margins. You look over at the business. I mentioned that when companies make these transitions. It tends to have a weird effect on financials, and we saw that looking at their year-by-year -year revenue. So they showed declines over the last couple of years. That's because they kind of had to eat uh, some revenue uh, due to some accounting changes and this business model shift they're going through. Yeah, if you look at their revenue, so in 2016, uh, 580 million dollars in revenue. Um, uh, last year, uh, 2018, that dropped to 560 million uh, for two primary reasons. Number one, the shift to a uh, the focus on software as a service, which we have said time and time again is lower revenue upfront in exchange for a more dependable uh, recurring revenue model over time. Um, and then there was another uh, accounting rule change that changed the way they book their uh, hardware uh, revenue. Um, so those two things combined have, have combined to basically make their revenue go nowhere but down for the last couple of years. Uh, however, 2019 should start to reverse that trend. Uh, the current estimate is about $600 million in revenue for this year and $630 million for 2020. So the pain points of the SaaS conversion are starting to be behind this company. And this company was really in a strong position to go through this transition. You look over at the balance sheet, uh, over $100 million in cash, zero long-term debt. You can afford to take those short-term pinches when your balance sheet is that strong. Yeah, the, these guys have operated with zero debt for as long as I've been following them. I mean, years. It's just the ethos of the company. And another th thing that I like about this business is even throughout this SaaS transition um, process, they've been producing more than $100 million in net income and free cash flow. So they haven't had to go into a huge um, free cash flow sinkhole and net income sinkhole that we've seen with other uh, SaaS conversions. So that is something that investors should like about this business. You mentioned um, that it is a fairly sticky business. That's borne out when you look over at the renewal rates for customers. So while they're going through this transition from licensed to SaaS, uh, I have to imagine that people are going to stick around. And once that transition's made, that's going to be nice, easy money for them. Um, and they also have a fairly strong brand in the space. Yeah, those two things are what give this company a moat. Uh, I mean, when you think about what it takes to get the software going for the logistics side of your business, the warehouse, the inventory, that is a 
very complicated uh, process to get to get up and running. Once you are in uh, Manhattan Associates ecosystem, it's very hard to to leave and go elsewhere for any any reason. So the switching costs of this business are very high, and the brand name is very high. They they actually say that uh, when they are competing head to head head to head against other companies in the industry, their win rate with customers is about seventy percent. So that's a very high. Uh, I think that the, the brand here helps them attract new customers, and the switching costs. The high switching costs help keep them around. Those make for a very uh, dependable business. This is a company that's been around for a little while, so you know it is not in the, you know, startup, eighty uh, percent year over year growth mode that we talk about. You know, with some of the companies on the show, um, w- what does growth look like for them? You know, what, what are you seeing with this business over the next couple of years? Yeah, one thing that we're when we're looking at a, a software as a service company or a potential one is that the management touts this huge total addressable uh, market opportunity number. Uh, Manhattan Associates doesn't doesn't really do that. They more point to the the, the mega trends that are the long term drivers of their business. Uh, so we already touched upon one uh, really changing consumer preferences with how they shop. The general move is towards uh, e-commerce, uh, omni-channel, and smaller, more frequent shipping, shipments to customers. And that applies to uh, individual consumers as well as businesses. So that trend is is generally pushing uh, retailers to make investments in their supply chain and to become more lean. And that's an opportunity that Manhattan uh, Associates really supplies. Um, the other thing that we've seen is that the quote-unquote retail apocalypse, where we've seen so many uh, weak retailers just go go out of business, um, that's putting huge pressure on those that are remaining to really become much more competitive and fend off the competition uh, from Amazon, again, leading them right into uh, Manhattan Associates' hands. And it's astounding the number of retailers that still haven't made this a priority. Uh, A recent survey showed that about 80% of retailers admit that they are not offering their customers a unifying brand experience, and only 22% of them are taking an omni-channel sales experience a top priority. So that's a mismatch that is only going to become a stronger um, incentive over time to work with Manhattan Associates. All right, we're going to continue our rundown, talk about some other big-picture items with Manhattan Associates. But before we do, I want to thank our sponsor, Cabbage. Managing inventory, covering payroll, and doing a hundred other things before lunch is just an average day when you own a small business. Your time is valuable, and getting the money you need shouldn't take up all of it. That's why Cabbage created a simple, modern way for businesses to access up to $250,000 of credit. Cabbage's application process is online and takes just minutes to complete and get a decision. If your business qualifies, you can access the amount you need right away and withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital. Cabbage has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has provided over 200,000 small businesses with access to funding. Brian and I talk all the time about how crucial capital is to getting a business going. You need the cash on hand to make the investments to help you grow. Cabbage makes that easy for businesses. Get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com to get started. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. All right, Brian, we can't talk SaaS without talking customers. You're big on customer concentration and making sure that that's not the case for anything that you're buying. What's the picture with Manhattan Associates? 
Yeah, concentration is definitely not an issue here. They have um, hundreds of individual customers, and no, uh, their, their largest customers do not make up an outsized portion of revenue, so we can check that box. And when you think about uh, what it takes to bring a customer into, into, the, uh, into their business, that is a very expensive, very long process. They call out a nine-plus month sales cycle. So just to get a yes. And then once they become, uh, once they are chosen and implemented, that is a uh, multi-month, if not multi-year process. So acquiring customers is very expensive uh, for this business. On the flip side, once a customer is in this, in their ecosystem, they are very dependable sources of revenue and going to become even more so uh, as the company converts to the, the SaaS model. That's a major reason why we love when businesses go from licensing to SaaS. So I think that there's uh, reasons to believe that uh, Manhattan Associates does have good relations with its customers, and it could even in time boast pricing power because once they get in, it's so hard to switch over. That is something that I like to see as an investor. And uh, something else I, I kind of like to see is management's been with the company for quite some time. You know, so you look at the people calling the shots. Uh, CEO Eddie Capel has been with the business for a good amount of time, and, and seems to be pretty well liked there too. Yeah, he started this company in uh, the year 2000 in the management team, uh, worked his way up to take over the role as CEO in 2013. So he has been at this company a long time. Uh, if you check out his Glassdoor ratings, they're pretty good. 88% of employees approve of him as CEO. The business itself gets about 3.7 stars out of five. So those are good, not stellar, but pretty good numbers. Uh, one knock I do have against this management team is that um, inside ownership is is pretty low. Uh, CEO Capel owns a about $10 million worth of stock, which is peanuts in compared to the, the grand scheme of things. But that is enough of an incentive for him to continue to see the share price move higher. So I would say pretty good management and culture. Not the best we've seen, but by far not the worst. Yeah. And to put that $10 million into context, uh, I think they're currently trading at like $5.5 billion. I think that's roughly their valuation. So you know, this is definitely one of those companies that's kind of in that mid-cap sweet spot when it comes to SaaS, they are big enough to have a sizable business, not so big that it becomes really interesting for one of the tech giants to hop in there and say, you know what, I think we're going to get a piece of this too. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, we're going to run through the red flags quick. I know listeners like your checklist, Brian, want to make sure that we don't miss anything over there on the risks side as well. Sure. There are, of course, numerous risks for investors to keep in mind, but uh, this isn't a penny stock of any kind. Uh, as we touched upon before, there's no customer concentration to worry about. Um, one of the things I like to ask is, does this industry face long-term headwinds or tailwinds? Uh, I believe the answer is uh, tailwinds because uh, retailers have huge pressure on them to uh, invest in their omni-channel experience. Uh, one thing I will note is, uh, does the one, one question I like to ask is, does this business rely on any outside force uh, for success? And I think the answer there is sort of. Um, they do uh, sell a lot to retailers. That is their number one customer segment. So a healthy retail environment is important. If the retail um, if the retail sector in general took a big decline because of recession, uh, you can see the case for retailers to make uh, less investments into their business. So that is something for investors to, uh, to keep an eye on here. Uh, and then finally, uh, I like to look at stock-based compensation. Uh, stock-based comp- stock compensation is actually very low for this company, uh, about $19 million all of last year, again, compared to a $5.5 billion market cap. So very, very small in the, the grand scheme of things. And uh, this company actually produces so much free cash flow and so much net income that they've actually been a net buyer of their stock over the last couple of years. So the share count has actually declined 
by 13% uh, in the last five years. That's something that investors should applaud. Yeah, if you look at the share price appreciation too, uh, it looks like a lot of those buybacks have been coming at pretty good valuations because the stock has just generally been open to the right, particularly over the last year, but definitely over the last couple years as well. Uh, and I think to mitigate one of those risks, you're talking about the dependency on retail. Uh, I do see that as a possibility. You know, if you're running into several retail customers that are facing cash crunches, they may decide to you know lower their investment in the space. But it's one of those things where, long term, if retail wants to thrive, they need to be making these investments. And so, uh, you know, I think that it's where the industry is going, and they're in a good spot to take advantage of that. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I mean, even some struggling retailers that we've seen, sometimes they do have pressure on them from investors to return to growth. And one way that they can do that is by really investing in their e-commerce capabilities and building out their omni-channel experience. That, again, pushes them into uh, Manhattan Associates' hands. So there is a counter-argument to be made that weakness in the retail environment would increase the pressure on them to make investments in themselves. So, that could be a uh, counterbalancing factor. Uh, But as for the stock itself, uh, you mentioned that um, uh, the share price has been fabulous performing this year. I mean, it's it's more than, it's about doubled uh, since the start of the year. Uh, So, I think this is a very good, very dependable uh, business that should just steadily crank out double-digit growth for, 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 for the foreseeable future. Um, but it is quite expensive right now. 55 times forward earnings and almost 10 times sales. Um, I wouldn't be in a rush to buy this stock today, but I do think it is a stock that tech investors should put on their radar. Yeah, I am definitely a fan of having a little post-it note with a couple stocks that I'm interested in. You know, particularly if we see a bad day in the market, and I can, you know, start out a position, a small one, at a price that I really like. Um, but you know, having that watch list is huge, and I think this is a company that absolutely deserves to be on people's watch lists. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And uh, we've seen a lot of our favorite high-flying tech stocks really get uh, crushed over the last six weeks. This stock has actually held up very well, which I think is because the company is already profitable and trades at a moderate valuation in comparison. So, if you want to get in on the SaaS conversion space, but you don't want to take on a a huge amount of risk, uh, this could be one to check out. Thanks for putting another great stock on our radar and joining us today, Brian. Anytime, Dylan. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or catch videos from the podcast on YouTube, along with a ton of other video content we're putting over there. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on. Fool on.